when we're anxious, we suffer from the anxiety, obviously, but we don't know what it is. We don't have any insight into it, generally speaking. When we're not anxious, we still don't know what anxiety is. We still don't have any insight into it. We have ideas about it and theories about it. But these are very, these are very bland ideas. They, um, they don't have any subtlety to them really. And anxiety is a subtle thing. It's not what it appears to be on the surface. So I could try to explain anxiety by saying that the body releases um, these chemicals into the, into the system, such as adrenaline. And um, I could talk about the type of thoughts and catastrophizing and black and white thinking and all that kind of thing. And that's kind of like a description of how anxiety appears, either on the mental level or if you look into the physiology of it. That doesn't give us any insight at all into what anxiety is. If we did have insight into what anxiety is, that would help us far, far more than any theories or any so-called therapies that are based on these theories. One way to talk about anxiety that gets a little bit deeper is to say that anxiety really has to do with this unconscious or unexamined need that we have to maintain what is essentially an arbitrary situation. So we could say there's two sorts of possible situation. There's the artificial situation which we have to prop up and there's the natural situation and natural situations. The reason we call them natural is because they happen all by themselves. They happen naturally without anyone needing to oversee them or make sure they happen right. So there's something very, very free about a natural situation. There is total freedom in spontaneity and there can only be spontaneity when there is total freedom. We can never force spontaneity or coax it to happen because it suits us. But in addition to what we just said about anxiety being an unacknowledged or unexamined need to maintain an artificial situation, we would also have to add the Add the extra little kind of layer on that and say that we, are, we feel a need to maintain this artificial situation we, and we absolutely don't understand that what we are maintaining is an artificial situation. I, because it's artificial it doesn't really matter if it falls to pieces.
it's only um, some kind of thing that we made up ourselves. It's not essential. It's just some game we're playing. So because we don't see that it's artificial, this makes everything very grim, very serious. So it's our lack of understanding or insight into the fact that we're trying to maintain an artificial situation that gives anxiety its bite. If I could clearly see here is an artificial state of affairs and I am feeling the need to prop it up and maintain it, that would take the seriousness out of it. It would actually introduce a note, almost you could say of humour or irony, because it's a, straight away it becomes a kind of bizarre thing. So I feel I need to maintain this thing as if it's absolutely crucially important. And the whole time it's only just some artificial setup that I don't see to be an artificial setup. So the seeing in this case takes off a huge amount of pressure. But the seeing is very difficult because we're so busy panicking, we're so busy striving to protect our position. All our attention is caught up in this ongoing struggle and there's no attention left over to see that this position that I'm protecting isn't really essential at all. It isn't really me, it's just an artificial posture which I'm caught up in or an artificial attitude that I'm caught up in. And because I'm caught up in it, I think I absolutely have to fix it or correct it when it gets broken or protect it when it shows signs of cracking up. And this comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that is the lack of perspective. If I could see the bigger picture, then this element of playfulness and lightness would come, come back and there wouldn't be all this heavy-handed striving and aggression and forcing. Instead there would be a light, as I've said, a lightness to the whole thing. But without that <clears throat> sense of perspective, without that wider view, all I know is that I have to do X and I have to do Y or I have to prevent X or prevent Y and I don't see any further. I just feel the compulsion, the force that's acting on me <clears throat> and then I act on that force. I, there's no questioning. There's no, there's no questioning if there's no perspective. If there's no perspective, we are in actual fact. As Gurdjieff has said, essentially a machine. And the way a machine works is so there's one cog and there's a bigger cog. And when the bigger cog turns, the smaller cog turns too, is compelled to turn. So the situation where we are acted upon by ideas and by thoughts of what might happen or what might not happen and where we can't question those ideas, that's the big cog and the little cog. That's me being acted upon mechanically by my thoughts, which I would see to be not true if I could have the perspective, if there was awareness in the picture, but because there isn't awareness, 
these thoughts or these rules essentially that are controlling me become unquestionable and therefore the only thing I can do is struggle my damnedest to do what they say. In everyday life, as Gurdjieff and many others, many other um, philosophers or esoteric psychologists have said, we are acted upon by these forces, these external mechanical forces all the time, continuously just about. But we are able to enact them, we are able to obey them. And so this is unconscious behaviour that is also um, pain-free. It's it, the situation of ignorance is bliss. If I can be a successful slave to these impulses, I won't even know that I'm a slave. I don't know that I'm a slave because I don't have the perspective to see that these impulses and thoughts aren't me. That they're just products of a rational process. And because I don't have the perspective to see that these impulses aren't me, I never experience myself as being acted upon by external mechanical forces. And so I'm completely unaware of the actual state of affairs. So that's when we're unconscious and we don't know we're unconscious. But when we're unconscious and we can't do the things that the forces acting on us say we have to, then we're under immense pressure. And what we're experiencing is the coercive power or force of the rules that have been governing us our entire lives. That mechanical external force, which we can call extrinsic motivation, in contrast to intrinsic motivation, is now unveiled. I still don't see it for what it is though. I still don't see that I am being pushed to do something that I can't do by external forces. Instead I just see the fault as being within myself in the sense that I don't trust myself to be able to do whatever it is. And I think if only I could do it. In other words, if only I could go back to the state of being a successful slave of extrinsic motivation. Because there's comfort in that. So in anxiety, the same forces are acting on us that they always were. But because I cannot carry them out, or because I get a feeling that I can't carry them out, I no longer trust myself to carry them out, these forces become visible. So we can actually say that anxiety represents a step towards greater consciousness. And this shouldn't be surprising because when we go backwards from consciousness, that leads us to this feeling of comfort. We're back in our comfort zone. And our comfort zone is lack of consciousness, lack of perspective. So when consciousness appears on the, on the scene, that is inevitably a painful process. But just because 
it is a painful process. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. It just means that we're gaining some kind of psychological insight which we don't want to have, but which is nevertheless a true psychological insight.